All righty. Well, good to see all five of you here. That's awesome. Um, Well, um, I think everybody but us um, are either on vacation or doing something like visiting with their mothers or something, which is just disgusting. Um, But the, the elect who will go to heaven are here. And so we will push on. Um, So I'm doing announcements, and then we're going to run through Mark 14. Uh, Sermon's going to be pretty quick tonight because it's kind of setting up kind of what we're going to be doing for the next two weeks, and then really kind of giving a taste of what we're going to do all summer, okay? A couple announcements. One, we're sorting for free market tomorrow at what time? Anyone? 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 Is everybody? All the leaders are gone for that? Okay. Um, Tomorrow, watch Facebook. We need to finish up sorting that stuff, and then we'll get it over to the Nazarene Church later in the week. Free market is next Saturday from 1 to 5 at uh, Portsmouth First Nazarene Church on 3rd and Brown. Okay? 1 to 5. And so we'll need you. If you want to volunteer, we'll need you there around noon, okay, Uh, next Saturday to help. Uh, we hit the entire East End, Kimsey and I did, and people from Nazarene Church with flyers. So the entire East End has been blanketed with flyers. We're going to hit um, uh, government housing, homeless shelter, all that kind of stuff this week as well. So if you can help us out, that would be awesome. We are trying to, as you can see, we've had more water damage. We're trying to deal with that. We're trying to get out of here as quickly as we can. Um, we hope to be over at Christ Community Church in um, June in the old gym. The, the renovations will not be done by that time. It'll probably be like later sometime, maybe August, because we're, we're repainting the entire gym. We're, we're, we're putting up you know, acoustic panels. We're building soundboard, all that kind of stuff. It's going to take some time to do all that kind of stuff. But we'll work with what we've got um, you know, there now. So they don't have anything going on during the summer, so we'll have to place ourselves, and we'll move in there as soon as we can. The only real... Volunteers will need. We'll be shutting down the office next door, all that kind of stuff. The only kind of volunteers we'll need is to help set up chairs and also to um, go right ahead. So and also to um, um, and we'll also um, need help during the week um, or on Sunday afternoons coming in and just wiping down like the nursery um, to make sure that you know Saturday and Sunday morning nurseries don't leave like rotavirus or whatever laying around for our kids so we'll have to wipe that down which will take like 15 minutes we'll have some volunteers do that so um that's where we're going that's just sneak preview uh so let's pray let's get into it sermon should be about 15 minutes then we're going to worship and you guys can get out of here and go you know call your moms or whatever all right let's 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 pray uh heavenly father we thank you so much that even though our building is falling around just around us um that you're going to hold it up for another month aren't you? So, um, and that, and that you, we've, we've, you've got a new place for us to go. We, we thank you for that. Um, we thank you for everything that you've done through Revolution. We ask you to bless free market, all the preparations so that we can help those in need. And may you get the honor and glory for that in Jesus name. Amen. Mark 14, one through 11 is where we're going um, tonight. Okay. And so, if you're in the Blue Bibles, that will be page 610. Um, otherwise, Mark 14, 1 through 11 is what we're going to cover. All right? All righty then. Um, when, now, when you're looking at, you know, remember that 
we, where we've been and where we're going. We've just um, finished a section where Jesus has cleared out the temple. He has just uh, um, um, faced three different opponents. And now he and his disciples have left Jerusalem. They're outside of Jerusalem. And it's where we pick up as we begin to wrap up the Gospel of Mark. Mark 14. 1. It was now two days before Passover. And, and the festival of the unleavened bread. Now, of course, Passover, celebrate God coming to rescue them from Egypt. So this is two days before Passover. It was on a Saturday, so this would be like a Thursday. This is the night before Jesus is crucified. The festival unleavened bread is a way to remember um, their flight from Egypt. So one of the things they would do is they would have a meal, the same meal they had before they fled Egypt, and they would go around. They would, they would tell the story. All Every course of the meal was tied to the Exodus story. The father of the family would sit there and tell the story and answer all kinds of questions about the Exodus, tell them that, that, that that's the people they are, that the Jews were defined by the Exodus because that's when God you know, took them and said, these are my people and commissioned them to do a job. What we're going to see next week when we get to the Last Supper is Jesus totally radically redefines that around himself and his followers and the cross. Uh, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Now, the Greek phrase there that, that the New Living Translation has, said, has translated as looking for an opportunity to capture secretly. Um, that, that is a phrase that you find in Greek literature again and again when you have some kind of conspiracy going on, usually to take power. All right, so the, the, the religious leaders are jealous of Jesus. They have become insanely jealous of Jesus. They see him as a threat to their power base, and so they are trying to take him out solely because they want to be in charge. Right? And so that's what's going on. Now, a thing to keep in mind here. Pharisees, Sadducees, Jewish leaders, they knew their Bible. They knew their Bible very well. In fact, most of them had Genesis to Malachi memorized in Hebrew and Greek. They knew their Bible, but that didn't mean they had salvation. Knowledge of Scripture alone is not enough to save you. Verse 3, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany, the house of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. Now, the reason Mark names him is apparently he was known to early Christians. And we'll talk about why that may have been here in a second. And while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. That has nothing to do with Andy from the office. And she broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. That's, that is what they would do. You remember that they didn't have shampoo. They didn't have, I mean, that's just one of the ways you kept like your hair from like reeking. And, and, but this stuff is very, very expensive. Some have speculated that some scholars from early Christian traditions have speculated this is Mary from Mary and Martha. Remember Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? That this may be Mary thanking him for um, the resurrection of Lazarus and preparing him for his burial. Right? Now, this jar of nard, and we know that, in fact, um, she used all of it from other gospel accounts, was an entire year's wage of the average working person. So in today's dollar... The, that bottom, bottom uh, bottle can speak bottle of perfume was somewhere between today's dollars thirty and forty thousand dollars, and that's what she's poured on his head. 
And now, women were not allowed to have careers. So where she's getting that kind of cash, right? In all likelihood, this is not something that she has paid for. This is something she had. This was like a family heirloom that has been kept in the family for a long time, which makes it even more precious, and she has taken that and poured it on Jesus' head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. The Greek there is. I mean, they were really letting her have it. Um, you know, and we know from other gospel accounts that Judas is the one who's leading this. And Judas raises you know, the objection because he wants to sell it and he wants to a cut of it because he's a thief and he's actually stealing part of it. He didn't really care so much about you know, the, the poor as he did himself. Verse 6. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed, like we're doing tonight, right? As usual, Jesus is correct. So, Jesus sees this woman's intentions, not just the act. Remember, we talked about this last week. You know, it's fine to say, I'm going to follow Jesus, I want to be like Jesus. But remember, you can't always be like Jesus. You can't see people's intentions like Jesus could. You can't always see in someone's heart like Jesus could. And you need to keep that in mind, right? And it's also amazing that this woman, if it was Mary or whoever it was, she seems to get it, Right? She is pouring this over. This was, this, was a, this was a ceremony to prepare people for burial or, or something like that. And so she's doing this because she seems to understand what Jesus had been saying for three years, which is, I've got to be handed over and tortured and killed and rise again. And his disciples are like, well, what does he mean by that? Because he can't mean that literally. She seems to get it. The 12 disciples don't understand it. She seems to get it. You can pick up a theme here in Mark if you really read it carefully. They're at a home of a former leper, a woman who is marginalized. You know, women were marginalized in that society. Gets it. The disciples don't. You see again and again how the people on the outside seem to understand Jesus and the people on the inside don't. Again and again and again. Verse 10, then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests to arrange to betray them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come, and they promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Now, we are not given Judas's reasons for why he does this. Some have said that his, his motives may have been good. Some that his motives were purely greed. Maybe they were mixed. We just don't know. But the Gospels have a really negative view of Judas. And what's interesting is this, as we're going to see next week as well. We have seen that knowledge of Scripture alone does not save you. The Pharisees knew the Scriptures, they, they, but they missed Jesus. Now we see proximity to Jesus does not save someone. Right? Judas has been there for three years, man. Night and day. And just being around Jesus is not enough to save him. Now, this is where I want to go, and this is where we're going to go actually um, through the summer, a kind of an ideation of this. Here's, here, here's where we're going. The one thing I've heard over the last five years at Revolution again and again is this. How do I know that I'm saved because I keep wrestling with this sin over and over again? Right? Sound familiar? This is what I get. Um, materialism, you know, selfishness, 
lust, whatever it is, over and over again, wrestling with that. I pray, and then nothing happens. I don't grow. I don't, it's, am I even saved? Now, we're going to talk more about this next week, and then we're going to spend the summer going through some parts of 1 John. I know we've covered 1 John before from like a 30,000-foot level. We're going to go line by line and take a line a week where John talks about what it means to be saved, and we're going to unpack each one of those lines and talk about it. Okay? Really, what does it mean to be a Christian? Now, one thing we have said at Revolution from the very beginning is this. We do believe that most churches, either intentionally or unintentionally, and it's real easy to do unintentionally, have really made Christianity too easy. Either they go so far as to say, just repeat this prayer and you're in and you're done. Right? Or it's just, don't do these things. Right? Don't have sex. Don't do drugs. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't watch R-rated movies. Don't cuss. You're fine. Right? And so, typically, this is what you find. The, the, the only problem with that is that it's not biblical in any way, shape, or form. And, and so, we're going to go running through that. Now, tonight, this is all I'm going to leave you. I, I just want to leave you with a preview. I want to get through here quick um, and, and set this up for next week and then throughout the summer. Next week, we're going to look at Peter's denial. Ask what it means to, to, to call yourself a Christian but deny Christ at the same time. Then once we get through the crucifixion, we're going to return to this, go to 1 John, and start talking about those lines where John describes what it means to be a Christian, line by line by line. Okay? And, and pray for me, because my plan is to take every one of those lines and read something like 20 to 25 commentaries on each to try to get a good handle on it. And so my brain may, like, explode all over my face before this is, this is done. Okay, but I think, it's, I think it's needed. Now, a few things tonight. And here's where this is coming from. I meet weekly with a handful of people to disciple. It's all I can do. I, you know, I'm trying to train other people to do it. I, you know, we have Corey Reed as an intern here. Eric Kimsey is, a, is an intern here. And, you know, John Simpson's an intern here. We've got people who are interning. We've got people that we're pouring into leadership-wise to try to build up so that they can go disciple other people and have regular meetings during the week, that kind of stuff. That's what we want to do. We're all about, you know, reproducing leaders. And so that's, you know, all very important. Tom Bennington is here to counsel and discipleship. I mean, we, we have people here ready to do that. Um, um, but in one of my discipleships this week, you know, someone brought up, and it was a great question, how do you know if you're, if you're really saved? Because in Matthew 7, if you go look at Matthew 7, we're not going to do that tonight just because I want to hurry, but in Matthew 7, Jesus actually says that there will be people who even cast out demons in his name who will not make it to heaven. He says, I don't even know you. Now, now, typically, you would think if somebody's walking around smacking demons, you would think that person's solid. And Jesus said, no, not necessarily. And, and, and so it does, you know, beg the question. Okay, well, who, you know, who's in, who's out? Um, now, there are a few guidelines I'll leave you here to think about before we get to next week and then this time. First of all, um, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says that anyone who says Jesus is Lord come, that is by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, he's not saying that somebody who says Jesus is Lord is automatically a Christian. He's saying that's just the work of the Spirit. I don't think he's saying that's necessarily a saving work unless he's being very literal and saying this is a person who absolutely positively sees Jesus as their Lord, Master, King, 
all the time. Anybody there? I'm not. I, I wish I was, you know. But as we're, as we're going to talk about next week, I mean, the moment I lose my temper and say something stupid, which is like every five minutes, um, or something like that, that's a, you know, I'm sinning. And whenever you sin, you're denying the lordship of Jesus in your life, are you not? Right? That's what sin is. Um, so we'll talk more about that. But here are some general guidelines. One. You do have to say that Jesus is the Christ. You cannot say that, you know, well, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Buddha, I believe in this, I believe in that. That won't work. Jesus says, it's me, me only, that's it. He makes an absolute exclusive claim. Second, Paul says there has to be growth in fruits of the Spirit. So, you know, joy, love, all this other kind of stuff. If you're not growing in that... And I'm not saying that, you know, okay, you become a Christian, you get baptized, and the next day you're the most loving, joyful person alive. Okay? That doesn't happen. I've never seen that happen. Right? Um, so, but there should be growth over a period of time. Like, if it's been five years, six years, seven years, and you're the same or worse as you were before then, I think there's a problem. And I think Paul would say, yeah, I'm not so sure. Right? This is why Paul says, you know, in, in, in 2 Corinthians uh, 13, 5, to examine yourself, to regularly examine yourself, to regularly sit down. We're going to talk more about this. You need to sit down regularly and prayerfully and say, where am I at? Do I really love Jesus Christ? Do I really believe that he is Lord? Am I growing? Do I love other people? And if not, then you need to come see me. You need to see Ryan. You need to see, we need to sit down and talk. The other thing, and we've said this again and again, you need, to care, you need to care for the poor. Now, I'm not talking about occasionally writing a check to Compassion International or something, though that's great, that's fantastic, okay? I'm not, I'm not talking about, well, I voted for Obama, therefore I'm done, I did, you know, he takes care of the poor. You know, it's not, it, that's not what I mean either. It's real easy to get, I don't care what your politics are, I think you pretty much know what mine are, but I mean, you, you might, but it is not the government's job to go do that. If the government's helping to take care of the poor, that does not excuse us of our responsibility. And by the way, a check alone is not going to truly help people. You've got to get involved in their life. Right? You have to be helping the poor. Matthew 25, 31 through 46, Jesus says that you will be judged. He says, mine are the people who help the poor. And if you ignore the poor, you're not mine. And I want nothing to do with you. I mean, it's Matthew 25, he is talking final judgment. And he's saying, if you did not help clothe people, feed people, just, I never knew you, go away. It's one of the reasons we're doing free market, right? To show our love and care for people who don't have. Doesn't mean that some of them didn't put themselves in that, you know, situation, whatever. But you know what? As Ryan has said many times, if you go to the Father's table and you sit down and you talk to people, you sit down with people at, at, at Father's table, you just, I see people all the time walk up to me on the, on the street who know me. And you start talking to them and how easily it is to go from, a, you know, drinking every night to becoming an addict to becoming so addicted you can't keep a job to then... There by the grace of God, right? It could be any of us. It could be any of us. 
And we're called to do that. And so Jesus is saying, if you're not, look, if you're not growing in love and joy and kindness, and you're not helping the poor, I can tell you this, there's a lot more to it, and we'll get into it. But if you're not there, you're not there. And I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm not trying to be hellfire and brimstone. Just telling you what the Bible says. But it's, it's clear. It's clear. So next week, we're going to talk about Peter's denial, and we're going to talk about our own denial in our own lives. Myself included. And I promise you, I'm not going to point fingers except at me. Only example other than Peter you're going to find next week is, is mine. So I'm not going to bash your part, the head. You're going to come, come watch Matt bash himself around the head. That's what it's going to be, okay? That should be fun alone. And so that's where we'll start next week, and that will be the kind of transition into the summer when we begin breaking down 1 John line by line. But I tell you something else that separates Christians from non-Christians, and I really believe this. And again, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not taking pot shots. It's real easy for us to lapse into this. It's real easy for a culture to develop like this. Christians worship. We worship. We sing to our God. That is what we do. We sing praises to our God because he wants that and he's our king and we should show him that love and that respect and that affection and we should do that for him. So we're going to pray and then we're going to worship. And I would ask, even though there's like you know, half here of what we had last week, everybody just stand up and sing real, real loud. What's that, Jim? Okay. All right. Sorry, I thought you were pointing at me. You were pointing... How could I not miss that you were pointing at the guy six foot five in the front row? I don't know. Um, all right, let's pray, and then we'll worship. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. It's a little scary when we get into this and we start asking these questions. I don't want to scare people. I, I, you know, I don't want to be the judgmental guy, and, and maybe I should, but I just want to be faithful to you. And so what I'm going to ask is that over these next couple weeks and over the summer, you just be with us as a church. You help us dig into to what it means to be a Christian. What, what it means to be, you know, in the world but not of the world, all that kind of stuff. We're going to work through ourselves. Through it. Please be with us. And for those who, who are yours, may they have some peace that they know they are yours and that if they die, they go to be with you and they have nothing to fear. And if they come to the knowledge that they're not yours, may your spirit invade them and may they become yours and turn their life over to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.